welcome to the Life Change Podcast. Panhandle Weight Loss Center is a unique surgical practice focused on changing lives. Our approach moves away from the singular goal of weight loss and encompasses one of overall health and wellness. This podcast explores a variety of topics inside the realm of health and wellness, including nutrition, fitness, lifestyle issues, and even surgery. The goal of this program is to inspire listeners to take a critical review of your life as we guide you towards a paradigm that translates to life change. All right, guys, today we have uh, James Liss, um, patient of ours slash friend slash somebody that's been a pure motivation for me, and um, I wanted to bring him on just to kind of give his perspective, so welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah, man. So, James, uh, just give us a little you know, background information about growing up, uh, where was that, what did life look like, kind of just so, run us through that. Yeah, so uh, born in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, a rather big family it's kind of split my parents got divorced when I was uh, a little kid so I had half my family in St. Louis and the other half in Shreveport Louisiana and uh, family was important back then at the time when we saw each other and um, one of those things that always brings families together is food and that is kind of how we learned to celebrate um, my family, we weren't big drinkers. A lot of families, uh, it's not necessarily food, but the families get together and play games and have drinks. That wasn't really part of my family life growing up, but it was it was uh, all food-centered. I mean, from Louisiana, so it's, it's good food, Cajun food. Yeah. Nothing better than uh, Cajun food to increase your sodium level by triple the amount of, uh, it needs to be. Um, that's it. I, I uh, kind of did what I could. I started working as soon as I could. I started working at 14. I had to get a... a like a worker's permit to be able to work at 14. And so I sold clothes at Jeans West and Jeans West was an urban clothing store. There we go. So I was a 14 year old chubby white kid selling. But styling though. Right. Yeah, styling. S- selling clothes in a, in an urban clothing store. It was eye opening experience for me. Um, and I joined the Marine Corps at, at 17 and I was in the Marine Corps for eight years, got out and I was waiting to get this job, so I did odds and end jobs while I was waiting. I substitute taught, and that's a that's a that's probably a whole other podcast. Um, but I was a substitute teacher for a little bit, fresh out of the Marine Corps, fresh out of combat from the Marine Corps too. So that, those kids were they got a, a different side of me than probably <laughs> most people would see. Um, then I got this job, and I've been here for 13 years. So yeah, tell everybody what where where you at now. All right, so I'm a I'm the deputy director of operations for Unit Four Central Command. Um, I'm a uh, was a federal agent. Now that I'm a supervisory position, I lost that title. But uh, I supervise a bunch of federal agents, and um, those of you that are around here, you, um, our office is out of Pantech, so I'm sure you guys can connect the dots without me going into great detail. But, um, that's what I do. I like it. I, yeah, I, and that's that. And that position's a new recently acquired promoted so congratulations thank you thank you october 24th yeah for sure tell us a little bit about your family all right so i've got uh i've got five kids and i've been i've been with my wife since my uh, junior year in high school so we've been together for a really really long time we have three biological children and two adopted kids uh we have been we were heavily involved in orphan care for about the past six or seven years so we started off as foster parents and then we wanted to adopt. Um, you know, we, if it was up to my wife, she would have adopted every kid that came in our house. <laughs> She'd save the world if she could. Um, 
but we decided we wanted to adopt and we couldn't be fostered yet when we fostered to adopted you know we were going through the process we couldn't foster anymore and um we got david um, when he was 10 days old and we we had him and that was a if you guys have ever adopted a, a new baby out of icu that's that's a little difficult um so the first two three months of his life were, were an adjustment for everybody um, but then we we transitioned we didn't want to foster anymore because we had a brand new baby but we still wanted to be involved in orphan care so we became casa advocates uh, if you guys don't know what casa is casa stands for court appointed special advocate so you are the sole person responsible for the well-being of the child in court because everybody else has an agenda mom's lawyers have an agenda you know bio parents have an agenda foster parents have an agenda you know the ad litems have an agenda so when it goes around the table when the judges you're, you're, you go to your hearings when it finally comes around the judge looks at the casa and asks them like you know what do you think because we're the ones that are you know they're solely for the kid to see what's going on so we did that for a little while and then we decided we wanted to adopt an older um, child so uh, we adopted a 16 year old girl and um so then we couldn't be CASAs anymore because we were actively in the adoption process. So we, we were able to sit on the board. So we sat on the board for CASA for a little while. And then we adopted our 16-year-old. And that, again, has its own struggles uh, with adopting a 16-year-old who spent a majority of her life in, uh, in and out of children's homes and, and foster families and stuff. So that is... Uh, that's the end of the foster care story. We kind of, at that point, we, we decided we didn't want to we were done with that. We, we'd done our time, I guess, as people yeah. say. Um, and that's it. And I got uh, three other kids. Michaela is, uh, she's our oldest. She's right now working two jobs. Um, she lives at home. She's going to dental assistant school. So she's working two jobs and going to dental assistant school. She pays her car note. She she wanted her own cell phone, her own cell phone bill, even though we said we pay for it. Um, so she's, she's rocking and rolling. And then Christopher is 17. He's a junior at Amarillo High. And he's into the punk rock thing now so his, his hair it was red two weeks ago now it's pink are you are you getting style advice after a, you know selling urban clothing and, i'm telling uh, you yeah. he, he i could give him all the advice in the world but he knows everything you know when you're yeah. 17 you, you know everything That's so he's right. got he's in a band like he's got a good garage band and they performed at the talent show he's in the jazz band at emerald so i watched him perform last night yeah um james henry is in the in the band at bonham and that's it. David goes to uh, Puckett. Does that does that musical bent come from you or your wife or? I don't know where they got it. Purely from. out of nowhere. Yeah, because yeah. I started playing. Um, I learned to play guitar so that I could have something to do with Christopher. Because Christopher wanted an electric guitar for Christmas about two and two and a half three years ago, and I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. I'll get a guitar too. And so I started. I taught myself how to play, and then he got lessons. He's far surpassed anything I can do with a guitar. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, he taught himself to play the bass, the drums, the piano, and so. Yeah, dads don't have quite that amount of free time to telling you. just experiment. I'm telling you, it's crazy. I, and my wife is a, she's a saint because she she lets me have all these little bitty hobbies and stuff. Like I've also I've been doing jujitsu and kickboxing for the better part of my life, and I've been doing it in Amarillo for you know, 13 years now. Uh, extreme martial arts. I just got my black belt in jujitsu. And my fourth degree black belt in kickboxing, um, all within the past three or four months. So that's kind of some milestone checkoffs that I didn't plan it that way. Just time wise, that's kind of how it happens. Yeah, it's an amazing story, man. From from the adoption, I I, I think you and I talked about this when we first met. But our oldest is adopted uh, from Ethiopia, and um, 
you know, I think we had shared some insights. Um, and it, like you said, that could be a whole other podcast about, you know, and if, if anybody listening to this has the heart for that, man, it is eye-opening. You learn a lot about the world. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about kids um, because it's like they're, they weren't here and now they're here. <laughs> And I know childbirth is the same way, but uh, there's like this whole planning period. But when it just like, hey, today's the day, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. No, yeah. The, the thing we always got was, wow, you know, I'm so happy for you guys. Like, you know, you're, you're, you guys are so great, such great people. Like I, I could never love a child that wasn't mine. And um, I think when people are in that position, it's easy to say that when they're not in it. But once you're once you're in it, it's you get your your child. It, it There's no separation between no i totally agree with that man well kind of walk us up to you know your decision to have weight loss surgery and kind of what what the things that were going on in your life at that point like things you're rolling around in your head decision making process just kind of walk us through that man so at the time i was i decided to get um come see you i was around i was almost at 300 pounds but I had uh, sleep at, I'd been diagnosed with sleep apnea. My blood pressure was through the roof. Um, I was taking, I'd had, I was needing medication to help me sleep. And then, you know, copious amounts of caffeine to help me wake up in the morning because I wasn't sleeping well. Um, then at my work, you know, there's qualification, there's a physical qualification standard that you had to meet. And I was slowly eating my way out of a job. Um, I was, exercise wasn't fun because I was so heavy and you know doing kickboxing and jujitsu once you you kind of get in the groove you you can do it without really expect once you get good at jujitsu it's all technique at that point um you lose the most weight but from you know your first probably three and a half to four years doing jujitsu because once that your technique and stuff kicks in um you, it, you really have to focus on your diet and exercise in order to keep that weight loss because it it kind of becomes um you know effortless but I, I was i couldn't make i was getting to where i couldn't make my run and then i just my life was it was one of those times like they they were starting to change the standards a little bit and it was a standard that they ended up not keeping but it was a standard i couldn't meet i i all the practice runs everything i did i couldn't meet the standard and i was like oh man i'm, I'm gonna be out of a job soon when this happens and so i, I it's when people say oh you should just diet like oh you should just try this oh you should do this well this is what you should do and it's like they just don't understand like when you try it it's almost like you i needed something else like i tried to diet of course i probably didn't try it as successfully as i, I should have but um, when my coping mechanism for you know childhood trauma ptsd the things you know i experienced just the stress of my job like my coping mechanism was food and I, I love to eat and I would eat, you know, I'd eat a whole meal at bedtime, like a second meal, like a second dinner. I'd, I'd eat it right before I went to bed. And um, I just, I realized I was like, I, something has to change and uh, it's not, it's not working on my own, one of those type of things. And so my wife had had weight loss surgery uh, several years be before me. And she was t telling me about it. And at the time I was having some, uh, some other problem like a some stomach pains and just some some other stuff going on and uh she was like you ought to go and and look into it and so i was like okay what's you know there's no harm let me at least look into it and i wasn't sure what to expect when i got here and um you know i came in we did all the preliminary stuff and 
I was really nervous. I was more nervous about what people would think. Like all the judgment is what I was more nervous about. More than anything else, I was like, because I work with a bunch of, you know, alpha male, ex-military, like guys that, you know, they're, they just, that, that real type of, well, you should just go to the gym or you should just do this. And it's just, that was the hardest part was overcoming, man, whatever, but what's everybody going to say? What's everybody going to say? So uh, then I, we, we, you know, we talked and I feel like we meeting you and talking to you um, really helped it along. Cause if it was, if, if you would have, I guess been a different, if it would have been different meeting you, it, it may, the whole process may have been different, but I just, I felt real comfortable when I first met you. You, um, I mean, I don't know what you're probably you're the only doctor that I know and you're, you're nor, like, you're nor, like just talking to you. You're, you're just a normal guy. And I appreciate that. it's, it, you know, you, you, you hold doctors up on this pedestal. And when I met you, I wasn't sure what to expect. And like I said, I felt like we clicked and I was like, okay, well, I feel comfortable. And so I, I, I just kind of was like, well, let's get the process going. And that's it, man. That's how the ball started rolling downhill from there. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that, man. That was, yeah. uh, I know we haven't got to really, I mean, we see each other out and about. Uh, I really haven't got to sit down and have this conversation with you. So I'm right. glad, glad we're doing this. Yeah. Um, so surgery, you know, what your thoughts pain-wise, uh, recovery, kind of that initial first two weeks. I mean, I know it's been a while. When did you have surgery? Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember, Doc. Three years ago? Three years ago. Three years ago. Um, so the worst part about surgery was the tube you had to stick down my nose <laughs> in the workout yeah. yes that was crazy like i we're, we're, we're gonna delete this part of the podcast right, nobody was, hears that part it was so <laughs> weird it was like that was the weirdest feeling i've ever had like, but uh i'm probably different than a lot of people i my surgery my, my pain was minimal i couldn't i'm not a big pain medication guy anyway so i wasn't like i was ready to get up and going so i was taking kickboxing classes uh two weeks post-op i was in the gym um hitting the bag as you know as much as I could till it you know until I felt some you know some pressure and then I would you know I'd back it off and do some stuff but um the first two weeks I lost like 15 pounds and so I was like oh my gosh I I, I gotta keep going I was like what, what how much can I lose like this is crazy and so I you know I started going to the gym uh, the hardest part at the beginning was like I mourned the loss of food like it was like I lost my best friend. I, I couldn't eat. You know, you you can only eat that. Uh, you know, a certain diet. Everything's liquid. Um, I mean, the I was the happiest day of my life was when I called your nurse and she said I could eat an egg. Like I was like, yes, yes, I can have an egg. Eggs for the victory. I can have an egg. Um, and there's some foods that I ate when I first had surgery that I just to this day I cannot even smell because I ate them so much. Um, but I. I like I said, I two weeks post-op, man, I'm in the gym, kickboxing. I'm trying as much as I could to get that. I was worried about um, as much as I was sweating. Like, I wasn't sure, like, well, how much water can I drink? How much water is my stomach going to hold? Uh, but I realized quickly that I could, as long as I paced myself, that, that really wasn't an issue. So, Gotcha. Man, you know, the, the one thing that's always impressed me uh, about you is just how you just, you, you didn't make this surgery the defining moment. Uh, more so, I mean, it could be a defining moment and like, hey, it called attention to other parts of my lifestyle. But you you changed certain things in your lifestyle. And my, 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 in my thinking, it was more so because I had these things I wanted to achieve. Not because I'd had surgery, but these are the things I'm pursuing. These are the things I'm working towards. 
you know, just using the surgery as a tool, but not not leaning on it as a solution. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, we, we talk to all of our patients about that, but when somebody really picks up with that and runs with it, I'm always really interested in. So yeah. kind of kind of give us some insight to your thinking long term, you know, well, I got, wanted got to, this tool. Right. I, I wanted to keep my job. Um, that was that was um, very important to me. Um, but then when I started losing weight, like the possibilities of what I could achieve opened up. I'm like, oh man, I can do this. My favorite thing was when I, I ran for the first time because I always wanted to run. There's a couple of things I've always wanted to do. I want to drink coconut water. I just can't. It's disgusting. <laughs> like I wanted to, and I wanted to run. I just, running wasn't fun. I was, you know, overweight. It hurt my knees. I got shin splints because you're, you know, my frame's not meant to carry around an extra hundred pounds. Uh, once I started running, I was like, man, this is fun. I started listening to books while I ran, and I mean, I, I go out and run six, seven miles now, and I was doing that, you know, five, six months post-op. I just started, once I realized I could run, I just started running. I would run all over the place. Um, but when that happened, I was like, oh, I'm getting in really good shape. And it wasn't just, I'm losing a bunch of weight. I was like, I'm, I'm getting in shape. So in the martial arts world, I was like, I've always wanted to compete. I, I just have. I've always that's, wanted to see. This is a great story. I hope we get here. Yeah. yeah. I've always wanted to see what I could do if I lost this weight. Because at the end of my military career, um, I was uh, one of my guys I was with the Marine Corps with, he introduced me to jiu-jitsu. His name is Mackin Simazir. Uh, he ended up fighting in the UFC. Uh, he owns a very successful martial arts school in uh, Norfolk or Virginia Beach. Uh, that area. He owns two of them, actually. But when he, I was watching him compete as an amateur, like I wanted to do it, but even at the end of my military career, I was starting to get heavy. I was starting to let some things go, some mental stuff that was, you know, the lack of motivation, you know, all the excuses in the world that other people have as to why they started gaining weight, but that was me. So I couldn't compete. I was like, man, I, at the time I was like, I was about 207, 208 pounds. So I'm like, I'd have to fight Brock Lesnar right now if I if I went out and fought. And I was like, that's not happening. Like, these guys are crazy. So I just never com never competed. And it, I just piled up and piled up. And that was one of those things. I was like, man, I want to compete. So once I, I said, I'll set myself to a goal and I gave myself a date. If I can lose this much weight at this time, I'm going to go, I'm going to compete for an entire year and I'm going to see what I can accomplish in a year because my body is, you know, getting old and I don't want to take the, the brain trauma of, you know, I was too late to start a professional career, but I'm like, I'll give myself one year. What can I do in one year, um, to, to really try to achieve my goals. And so I, I trained, I got down to 186 pounds, which was 110 pounds lost at that point in time. And I went to Worlds in Florida and I won silver in Worlds in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Um, I went four and one in sport MMA. Um, I'm undefeated in point fighting and undefeated in my kickboxing matches. And I did all that in a year and I've got uh, got some, some gold, I got a bunch of gold medals, I got some silver medals and I was like, man, I can do it. That's not not bad for for an old dog at the time. I was you know, 36, 37, and I'm, it was funny when I went to Worlds. I was competing as a brown belt, and most of those guys have been competing since they were white belts, since they they first started. And so they're you know they're, you get to talking to them, and I was in the masters division, and they were like, you know, "How many times have you competed?" I'm like, "Oh, it's my first time ever." <laughs> and they were like, "You're waiting till now at Worlds to compete for your first time ever?" And I'm like, well, "I just want to see if I could do it." 
Yeah. So I ended up winning silver. So that is not that, too bad. It's one, the, it's one of the best stories we've ever heard, man. That's great. Oh, thank you. Um, well, man, if you could, uh, you know, say you got a friend and that's thinking about this or, um, you know, or somebody out there that's listening, it's like, man, should I, is this for me? Um, and two things to address here, like the lifestyle component in your approach, but also the decision to do surgery, because surgery is not for everybody. Um, so, you know, kind of just give your kind of insight into if somebody's on the fence, like what's the, de- what's the decision-making process there? Man, somebody came to me and they were, I would ask them, uh, I'd have a conversation with them kind of about what the, some of the things that they've tried. Like, like what have you actually tried and do you have, my big one would ask them is, do you have a support system at home? Like, are you going to be doing this on your own? Um, not that you can't do it on your own. It's just, I needed a support system when I first started. Like even if you've got a good friend or something, that would probably be more important. If they don't have a good support system, I would ask them to call me or or find somebody and call them. Find somebody in this group. Um, you're, you have a Facebook page. Um, a lot of people that are getting ready to have surgery or you know fresh off surgery, they're on this page. Like find somebody to be your support system because you're going to need to talk to somebody you're going to need somebody to tell you that it's okay that you're angry because everybody else is eating and you know you can't at first um but the support system is everything i had my wife she had been through it previously um and my kids were real cool with it and uh that was what got got me through the the biggest thing Um, but the lifestyle change itself is one of those uh, like people have to be willing to change their lifestyle um I'll never forget this story. There was a lady that used to work with my wife and she had had weight loss surgery. And I came to to talk to my wife one time and she was eating a Snickers, like right after surgery too. And she was like, well, it's, it's no big deal. It's a mini Snickers. And I'm thinking to myself, I was just like, what? Like, what? Like, what? What are you doing? And And then in the same breath, she's complaining that she hasn't lost very much weight. And I was like, well, probably ought to not eat a Snicker bar. And she got so mad at me. <laughs> um, and now I just, it's just maintaining now. I, I've, if you can keep a high metabolism rate um, with, with exercise and, and doing some things in the morning, like I always drink a cup of, uh, a cup of water first thing in the morning. I try to eat something first thing in the morning, put some protein in there. And that just keeps my metabolism going throughout the day. Uh, and, and it's just portion control. My biggest lifestyle change was portion control. Um, I just I try to share food with my wife when we can. That's also cheaper because we go to go out to eat and we we share one meal, um, unless we go somewhere really yummy and then I order my own food so I can take it home and I got leftovers <laughs> for a couple day, of days. Yeah, yep, I'm take leftovers for a couple of days. Uh, but anybody's thinking about doing it, I just if you've thought about it and you have you know talked to people and you have a support system and you're willing to make those lifestyle changes then I say go for it. I say don't don't come in, talk to somebody. Don't be don't be frightened to take the at least the first couple of steps because the first couple of steps will let you know if it's for you or not. Um, and then just go with it. Just don't be afraid to fail. Um, my wife told me one time, I, I took my kids to the movies and it was when I could finally eat real food. Um, but I knew I couldn't eat certain things. And I was, I remember texting her and I was just so frustrated because uh, uh, we went to Synergy and we were watching a movie and there's just, you know, Synergy doesn't have the healthiest selection of menu items. And I, 
I, I texted my wife and I was so mad and I'm like, I can't eat anything. And she just texted me back and she goes, you live your best life and and um, you won't go wrong. And so I was like, oh, okay. And it just like that, just that saying that, it kind of calmed me down. I'm like, you know what? I can have this uh, this hamburger, but I'm gonna take the bun off and I'm gonna eat the meat and you know, and I, I kind of, that's kind of how I make stuff. I, I cheat now. Um, I, I just pour, it's all portion control and, and watching what I eat. Um, but I, I, I try to stick pretty much to a relatively healthy diet and drink lots of water. The more fluid that you can keep in your belly, the less you're, you're hungry with food. Um, I will say though, caution to everybody out there that's listening. I found a different coping mechanism than food and that became alcohol. And it's very easy to do that because what used to make me happy was food. I couldn't do it anymore. And I wasn't a big drinker, but now I can drink a beer or two and all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, that's kind of, I kind of got a little buzz going. And then the alcohol became the coping mechanism. And then also when I was, right now to this day, I can either drink anything, tea, water, anything. I can either drink or I can eat. I can't do both. It just doesn't, it fills all the way up to my throat in a matter of three or four bites. So. If I drink, then I'll drink and then I'll stop and I'll eat and I'll wait. I'll have to wait an hour or so before I can have something to drink again. Um, but it got to where alcohol was, if I was drinking, then I was like, well, I'll just have a couple more drinks and I'll eat in a little bit. And it's like, well, I'll have a couple more drinks and I'll eat in a little bit. Um, I would tell everybody a caution on that. If you, if, if food is your mechanism for coping with your stress and your, your mental trauma or whatever you are dealing with, do not pick up alcohol like do not pick up alcohol just just fair warning please don't do that um, that cost me a lot of headache and and um, some drama with the family that is super unnecessary but I, that's one of those that I had to figure out on my own and reel back in um, so caution that there you go that's your warning label for, for yeah, alcohol. No, that's a I'm, I mean I'm just glad you shared that with us and so number one you you sound like you're very aware of it Oh yeah. Uh, so that makes me think you've you've faced it, you've dealt with it, and you've changed it. So give us some insight to that change. Yeah. Like, so hey, I, I can have certain. I can have drinks now. Now when I go places, I um, I'll have a drink and then I'll eat. Like if I'm at a restaurant to eat, before I wouldn't eat, and I would just drink. Um, but now I'll, I'll have a drink. You know, we're waiting on our food, but then I'll eat. If I'm there, to, if I'm there to eat dinner, I'll eat dinner. When that that curtails a lot of that stuff and. Um, when I go places, I'll, I'll try to, I won't drink hard liquor. I still, still to this day, I, you get the, uh, you get that brown liquor in me and, and I, I don't have this, this switch in my mind. So I've got to be very conscious about what I drink when I go places. And, um, and then I got, you know, my, my wife's there. She's always, Hey, watch it. Cool it. Like better watch it. You're going to get carried away. And I'm always like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. But it's, it's still, it's still a struggle. That's one still a struggle because uh, like I said, when, when your, your coping mechanism for your entire life was eating and you found the one you found was unhealthy, it's really hard to change that. So I, I am aware of it. I, I try as very as hard as I can to uh, to curtail that and to um, not let it be that crutch. Um, but sometimes sometimes it still gets out of control. And um, I mean, not I mean, when I say out of control, like I, I don't I don't go out and do anything crazy i don't drink and drive i just it just it's one of those where it's like for, it's out of control for me for my yeah. normal personality um so so but where have you turned for coping 
what's so I got really I got more I got back more involved in the gym um, not that I, I slacked off on the gym but I started teaching more try to spend a lot more time at the gym now I play I try to play my instrument like I try to play guitar and uh, piano I try to take an interest in other things um, than, than drinking in order to to do that um, that was kind of the reason I started um, playing you know playing guitar to have something to do with Christopher and then he kind of peeled off and did his own thing and then it got to where I was like oh I like playing guitar I like playing guitar and having a couple of beers and so now I just it's just all about I just you got to keep I just got to watch it and, and keep focused on it because uh, it's one of those my, my, I come from from a family of addicts um, and I honestly I just it's, it will always be there and I have a very addictive personality so I, I whatever I'm doing I kind of get super into um, that's why I, I'm able to stay active it's like I'm super into it so I'm, I'm always active like kickboxing and jiu-jitsu and I just got certified to be a, a kickboxing referee and uh, so and when they bring kickboxing to the Olympics that the the place that I'm certified under the World Association of Kickboxing Organizations well, they'll be the referees in the Olympics for kickboxing and that's pretty cool you'll be in the Olympics I, well, no I probably won't be in the Olympics <laughs> but I, the organization will and that'll be cool um, but that's it I just I try to find just try to find other things to do um, that's one of those I still I still uh, struggle with that one yeah I mean I think that's a struggle surgery non-surgery uh, is coping um, and you know I think the, the, the advantage that you're displaying is I, I realize it. Right. Right. Whereas a lot of people, you know, me included, like there's, you kind of check in with yourself every once in a while and you're like, Hey, am I, uh, you know, how am I dealing with these issues? Like, where is it manifesting? What am I doing with it? And that's, I mean, I think that's healthy for all of us. Uh, I think, it, you know, especially in COVID times, you know, like when you took a, you, like people that were even had healthy coping mechanisms, you take a lot of that away. Um, and then you, you never know where it's going to manifest, where it's going to go. So, I mean, that's that's a conversation. I, last our last podcast, we had Kristen Wiley, uh, who, who deals with a lot of the, the mental health aspect. You know, when people are either, either struggling or just you know want to stay sharp, uh, uh, kind of turn to. And that was one of the big things we talked about was what you brought up. So I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah. Give us a, a plug for your gym. Oh man, so I train at Extreme Martial Arts. Uh, it is, uh, you know, I'm biased because I train there a lot, but uh, it's it's a fam. That place is a family. Those guys, man, they're uh, they're awesome, man. Ty Garrett, uh, Colin Gladman, they 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 own the gym, and they're just they know everybody. The thing that I like, they there are so many students up there. They know every kid's name. I, I don't know all my kids' names, <laughs> and they, and they know every kid's name, and it's. They, it's that's just such a wonderful place to go, man. When you're in there, like they, they, being around people that legitimately care if you're having a bad day. Like I'll see parents will get in there and they'll talk to Colin, and they'll be like, "Hey, will you talk to you know so you know my son or my daughter about their schoolwork? They're slacking off in school." Like they'll sit them down and and have a real talk about schoolwork and the importance of schoolwork and focus, and they do character traits and responsibilities and they do service projects it's just they're just awesome people like i found a group of people who genuinely care about me they care about my success um and i, I just love that place i spend all my time but whatever i'm not at home or, or at church or work i'm at the gym and i don't find find yourself people who push you and push you to be a better person i found them that, that, that's an amazing gym extreme martial arts on the canyon anyway there we go. There yeah. we go. How do you sign up? What do you go? Uh, like so you, can, if yeah, you can Google it. 
and give them a call. They've got a website. You can uh, jump on their website. Uh, they got a Facebook page. You can jump on it. So just hit them up. They'll give you a free private lesson, one on one. You can sign up certain times a year. They offer like a free month, or you sign up for a month, you get a free gi. They do all kind of promotions, stuff like that. So. Yeah. And so, so I, I played rugby in college, and and there's always this hesitancy because it looks violent, right? Uh, oh, so jujitsu is literally the gentle art. That's what it means, the gentle art. Um, it's just getting getting past it. Um, you know, kick, their kickboxing classes are. Uh, they're more fitness style, fitness and technique style. So if you, you're like, man, I've always wanted to try something like this. I'll tell you what, you you don't even think of you. Bur- you go for a six mile run, you don't even burn the amount of calories you think that you burn. That was that was a shocker to me. But you go to a kickboxing class, your legs are working, your hands are working, your your feet are working, your hips, everything, your shoulders. You you'll burn a ton of calories if you're if you need something. If you've never been to the gym and you're th- or any type of a gym, and you're thinking about having weight loss surgery and you're like, I need to do something. I don't know what to do. Well, that's difficult when you go to a like Gold's or something, you get a membership. If you've never worked out, you'll walk in that place and just be shocked. Like, well, I don't know what to do. Um, I suggest you find a find a kickboxing gym. Um, ours is the best. Just just kidding. Don't get offended if anybody else is on here from a different gym or listens <laughs> to this. But um, just find something to do. Find something you enjoy doing that's not monotonous. That class is different every time. And then jujitsu is fun. I, I like jujitsu. It's one of the best pro, um, self-defense uh, martial arts for self-defense. It's it's practical and um, you, you at our gym. You, it's we aren't a uh, solely competition school, so our gym is what they call like a hobby gym, and we've got you know sixty-year-olds in there and you know women and kids and all kind of stuff. So it's we'll you can go as hard as you want to go or as light as you want to go and nobody's going to stand over you and yell at you because you aren't going hard it's just that's why i like it so much you you can literally come in there if i'm having a bad day and i i'll tell coach uh, you know i need i need to be pushed today I'm, I'm having a bad day i i need to take out some frustration like they'll give me everything i can handle and sometimes i go in and i'm like i just want to i just want to coach today and they'll just let me coach it's just that's awesome man yeah. Well, James, I appreciate you coming in, man. It's no, no a, problem. Thanks for having me. It's been a great, great conversation. Um, any any exit comments? Anything? You... This is the first time sharing my story. I've I've, uh, I've never actually told this entire story to like like in this depth to anybody. So I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to do that. Yeah, man. You literally changed my life. I I, I can't thank you enough for, for what you did. That's why I, I, I guess when I see you out in town, like I literally am like, ah, like I, I can't wait to see you. I'm like, you literally changed my life. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate everything that you guys did. Your, your nutritionists were amazing. Um, your nurse, I, I've, anytime I've called up here and, and you're busy, your nurse is always so nice and accommodating. Like. I don't ever feel like I'm on the back burner. Nobody ever makes me feel like I'm a, a burden or, or anything like this. I just, that's great. So if people are listening to this podcast and they're thinking about weight loss surgery and they're not sure where to go, you got to come here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that plug, man. No problem. I didn't even have to encourage that one. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we'll get you back to work. I appreciate right. you coming on. Thanks, Doc. Thank you.